Today is January, it is Sunday, January 7th, uh, 2024, and uh, I welcome all my students in front of me on the screen and any guests from Hollywood, Florida. Bruchem haba v'shem Hashem. Let's begin as we should. Achenu kol beit Yisrael hanetunum b'tzaru b'shivya omdim b'yam 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 b'shal v'yam b'avya. Hamokim rachim alein yotzei mitzara l'ravacha, me'afei l'la'ora, mishibad l'gula, hashto b'agala v'zman kariv v'noma amein. And uh, I just want to tell you one story. Uh, Lo most of our stories are serious and sad, but this story is a little bit different, as you will see. Uh, only in Israel. On Thursday, I got a call from one of my grandsons, and he's on his way home to Kibbutz Chafetz Chaim, his wife, Elliot, and his uh, daughter, and he's out of the army. I, I, I say, well, what happened? He says, you won't believe it. He served uh, two months in Asa, then they moved him to Atniel. They threw out the regulars, the real soldiers were sent down to Asa or up north, and they moved in Miluan people. So he was in Atniel on guard duty. It's a pretty dangerous area, but he's doing his share. And uh, Thursday, his commander calls him over and says, I have an order to release you. Uh, I said, what happened? Story. I don't know where my grandchildren get these abilities, but this everyone is in a different world. This grandchild, while he was in Hesda, was already taking a course on bird identification, bird watching, labeling as a whole degree when he finished Hesda. So uh, he goes on to study at Tel Aviv, at Beersheba University, gets his bachelor's, and now he's at Tel Aviv U going for his doctorate. What does he specialize in? Animals. What type of animals? Tanim, jackals. And he sent the, we saw videos of him, uh, they shoot the jackals, they, uh, you know, numb them, and then they bring them into the laboratory, and they label them, and they watch them, and they, it's a very important uh, science because jackals convey disease and they're jackals all over Israel. Believe it or not, the University of Tel Aviv got in touch with the army and said, without my grandson, the jackal laboratory is falling apart. He's the only one who knows how to handle it and take care of the jackals. And it's what's called Avodachi Unit. So uh, <laughs> the army threw him out to go back to his jackals. Excuse me? Chiyunit, chiyunit, chiyuni means, how would you say it in English? It's a base, an essential, an essential job. So he's, today, he's, as of today, he's back in Tel Aviv U. I have another grandson who also got out last week. He was a frontline doctor, but the problem is there, he was supposed to start his residency at the, uh, Bailenson Hospital in Petah Tikva, November 1st. And he's been called up already three months. So he missed the first two months of his residency. So the university got in touch with the army. The problem is, you might think, well, he's doing residency. Uh, he's learning more than he'll ever learn in, 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 in the army up front, the field hospital. And he's a former Chovesh Kravi. 
So he's learning more than a level learned in his residency. There's only one problem. He's doing residency in, uh, you know, you put the patient to sleep. What is that called? Anesthesiology. The one thing he didn't see down in Gaza is anesthesiology. So he starts residency. uh, He's actually out of the army as of today. I think today or tomorrow he starts his residency. But he told me that... um, the army, if they need him, will contact the hospital. And if the hospital releases him, he'll be back in the army. But all right, let's hope that they won't need him. So, Baruch Hashem, we should only have good news. We still continue to have Karbanot and the heartbreaks. Um, one correction I want to make, and I, I just think you should know this by now. Whenever I'm quoting from my notes, I quote correctly. Whenever I speak and ramble on, I may make a mistake. Uh, it's part of your mind running ahead of you. So it seems that last week I said about Amalek, and a student in, Tor- in Toronto, I think it is, got uh, involved trying to figure out what I meant, said by the Shiva Amamin. So what I should have really said, Timche et Seika Amalek. The famous Pasuk at the end of Pashat Sacha, And with Amalek, it's a lot worse than because you can't have any Hana whatsoever from anything that belonged to Amalek, as you know with Shal HaMelech and Shmuel HaNavi. Regarding Amalek, I re- I'll tell you something amazing that uh, last Monday I spoke about it in Shia, and Monday night I finished up the new volume, Return to Zion of the Rav, and I can't stop praising that volume, because it's the real Rav. The Rav in his prime, the Rav I knew, and studying that volume, I find out exactly how all my thinking has come about, and I have nothing to be ashamed of. The Rav in that volume goes crazy against accepting Shilumim, reparations from Germany. And uh, as you know, I've quoted him and people look at me, ancient history, who cares? But when you read the volume, I'm reliving it. Wow, believe in Nefesh. Anyway, among other parts of the volume, he discusses the whole Amalek concept. And if I can quote the Rav, it's very simple. It's a generic concept. It's not just people with Amalek in their blood, but anyone who wants to kill Jews has a Chaloshem Amalek. He heard that from his father, the name of Reb Chaim, and the Rav held that very strongly. Uh, Vic, I'll honor you with a side story on it, and a true story. So when I got involved uh, with Russian jury, with the Mossad, and all that happened afterwards, so one of the side shows of my involvement was publishing certain books with Russian translation. So some of you may know I published uh, Rabbi Norman Lamb's Hedge of Roses in Russian. It was, by the way, a uh, tremendous seller. We had a reprinted about three, four times. And I also had uh, Koldo Dido Fake. Uh, I had Alachuva translated into Russian, Koldo Dido Fake. And uh, called the Dido Fake, when it was read 
before the final printing in Russia, in Russian, one of the Russians reading it said, this paragraph has to be left out. What was the paragraph? Where the Rav calls Russia Amalek. And uh, it's the generic term. It's the same concept, and the Rav is developing the same idea. But this person said, and wisely so, if the KGB comes upon this volume and they have some expert look at it, they're going to see Russia Amalek, and what that means, there'll be some Jews sitting in jail where the key is thrown away. So we edited that out of the Koldovido fake in Russian. One other uh, bit of news, if you recall, we spent many months on the permissibility of contemporary milk. So a Talmud sent me a link. He said, Rebbe, when you mention something in class, other people get interested. I don't want to take credit. It could be uh, they just were interested in their own. But here's the whole controversy, and it's a very interesting article because the article makes the point that Rav Heschel Shechter is mixing up scientific theory with halachic uh, standards. It's an interesting article. Um, Rav Asher Weiss comes out against Rav Heschel, and uh, I come back to what I said time and time again. We have a tradition, and Jews drink milk. The Torah says, I would hate to think that we stop drinking milk. So this article basically is in favor of drinking milk, but it brings up Heschel, explains him, and then the refutation. And it's a fascinating refutation because... The Rav also made very clear you can't confuse science with Torah. And the example he gave, which is a beautiful example, rice, you cook it, it ferments. It's never chametz. You can cook rice for 18 hours, not 18 minutes, and it's totally fermented, but it's not chametz. See, the concept of chametz is halachic, the concept of fermentation is scientific. One has nothing to do with the other. It's a, a very, the, the article doesn't mention that, but I would include it in the article because it just bolsters uh, Rav Asher Weiss's thinking. Okay, let's come down to the Shia today. We have a very, very interesting Shia. Uh, I, I trust you followed me because we're in the middle of the Sugya, but explaining... Rav Menashe Klein, you have to know his background. Without knowing his background, you can't understand the man. Uh, he's a survivor who went through the hell of the Holocaust. When you go through the hell of the Holocaust, uh, it leaves an impact, a feeling on you. And as I told you in my own debate with the, that reform rabbi, who was, by the way, a, a Lakewood, mere, mere Lakewood graduate. I, I don't want to mention his name. He's died young. But uh, he debated with me on the radio. I never met someone with such hatred for Yiddishkeit. Came with the, I can still see him with a list of difficult sentences that make no sense to a contemporary individual. And one of them was Lot Hayek on the Shama. So I said to him, after the Holocaust, you have a problem with that? But that was said tongue-in-cheek. Um, 
the truth is I can understand Rabban Asher Klein, but I can understand my Madrich, Meir Kahana, I grew up on his lap. But when I think of simple sugiharam, I have to teach. We respect every human being. If a non-Jew picks up a rock to throw at me, it's a different story. But I got to give them the benefit of the doubt. And the truth was that in Hebron in 1929, there were Arabs who risked their lives to save Jews. So you have, you can't bomb indiscriminately. You have to select the guilty and uh, praise the innocent. And by the way, just this morning, there was a terrorist attack in Binyamin, and a terrorist shut up a car. They killed the driver. And the driver was not even Jewish. It's an Israeli Arab who lives in Israel, whose license plates are Israeli. And they killed him this morning. So you, you, you see, it's to differentiate between good and good, bad and bad. It's um, got to go beneath the surface. And uh, they haven't caught that. As of 9 o'clock, or the news I saw a little before 9, the, they were searching for the murderer. A drive-by shooting and killed them on the spot. The, the, whoever aimed, aimed perfectly. Shem Yerachim. Okay. That's one part of it. The other part is what he went through in his personal life. And it's, you have no idea how painful it is for me to talk about it because my dear student, Dabi, went through exactly the same thing with his son. And you have no idea. I mean, a mother has a child, a father has a child, and you never see the child again. Yeah, he may pop in when he's 21, says hello. But uh, I need not tell you, it's not the same relationship. It's not the child that you raised. And uh, he went through hell. And I can understand his disdain for people, for women, for going. And that's what we saw in the Tshuva, that here this whole question of Mesira, that if someone commits a crime against the child, you have to tell the government. So he says, so he says this is a law for Gentiles, not for Jews. And we spent a good part of last week's year with his Divrei Torah. I mean, Mamish Divrei Torah, look at Hagar, look at the way she treated the sick baby, threw him aside, didn't want to look at him, didn't want to hunt for water, didn't want to do anything. And look at the way the Ishah Hashunamit ran to the prophet to revise the child. So this law, report to the government, is only for Goyim, not for Jews. Nevertheless, he deals with the situation. What about if the government, and all this is outside of Israel. Israel is, we have, uh, it's good and it's getting better every day. Uh, a child, the foster home, social workers, police. You have endless from people in these fields, including Haredeot, as I told you, with the police department, and they have sensitivity. My daughter's been involved. I can tell you, uh, my eldest daughter, when you had the Sabaro tragedy, so there was a Dutch family 
where part of the family was wiped out. Hashem Yerachim, what we've gone through. And that's about a tragedy. One of the ladies killed was in this building. She was in a special Wurzweiler program. She was married, finally late, was pregnant, and she went to have pizza, and she never came back. She was killed. The child she was carrying was killed. Uh, the price we have paid, as Elliot, you know. So uh, the Sabara tragedy, you had this Dutch family, and I don't know, the judge sent the surviving children back to France, because there was family there. My eldest daughter got involved, went back to the judge and said, look, my middle daughter was in touch with them, no family, they're very unhappy in Holland. The kid was born here, raised here, you're suddenly sending back to Holland. So they brought the kids back and my daughters arranged that they be with another aunt and uncle who had come in Aliyah. Now, they weren't wealthy. It meant taking in two more kids, building an extra room. The government did it all. And those kids were raised by an aunt and uncle. The scars remain. No two ways about it. But it was the best under the circumstances. And uh, in Israel... Even if you have a home that you're going to put the kids in, it will be kosher. It's not like the story I told you back in 1961. Hanukkah, we visited, we wanted to do a chesed from the sisterhood of my synagogue. Mark just brought me regards from people who remember me from that rabbinate. Uh, and, but, but Mark, don't, over, don't worry about the, what I write about. It wasn't as bad as I described it. I described it, I felt the pain. Most people were, you know, were happy. The rabbi's a nice guy. The Rebbitson is a nice person. He was re-elected, all right. He went on to YU to teach, okay? So don't worry about it. Mark's worried. He'll mention my name, that the leader takes sides, pro, con, no, no. But, and I write it up very fairly. I say part of the problem was I was too young. I didn't, today I... I can handle all those problems. But who would want to be in the rabbinate today? That's a different story. <laughs> okay. So, um, th- th- these, we went to that home. I can never forget it. And uh, a kid in his 20s, mid-20s, with the intelligence of an eight-year-old, says to me, Rabbi, where are you from? What school? And I tell him, Yeshiva University says, my father is... And his father, most prominent name in YU, and uh, the kid is in this home, not kosher, but there was no choice. Today, even in America with Yachad, you can do better, but uh, Satma has facilities as well, maybe other institutions. OU deserves all the praise in the world, but here he's dealing with, what about if they decide the government is taking the kid out of the house and they will give him to a non-Jewish family. What about if you take him over and you're kosher and you're going to help? So Rabbi Menashe Klein admits that that would be a great advantage if you take in a kid who might have been given to a non-Jewish family. 
And here we ended off the shir last week, and I'm going to pick up right where I left off. And this is very fascinating material. Uh, of the, all the tshuvat the Chatam Sofa wrote, these tshuvat that I'm quoting are among the most famous. I met Rav Heshel Shechter last week, was here, and we started talking, and he asked me what I'm teaching, so I told him the Chatam Sofa, and he didn't mention it right away. You know, this tshuva is famous. So we spoke last week, I'll give you the source again, Shalot HaTshuvat Chatam Sofa, Orechayim Tshuva Tehidim. And here it's Mamish, the question we're dealing with and dealt with. You have a kid who's born challenged. And Loa uh, Lenu, what do you do with him? And uh, this kid, they say, send him away to Vienna, to special school there, and they'll educate him. And by the way, you have that in Israel. Uh, with children born challenged, we reach uh, Down syndrome, for instance. We reach the highest level of training in the world in the state of Israel. It's due to Professor Fjorstein, Zeichatzadik Lavracha, and um, his son and others continue today. Uh, they've developed the ability to teach these Down children that they reach a very nice level of functioning. And uh, here the question is, you send the kid to Vienna, they're going to educate him, he'll become educable, he can work a little bit, he can live among people, he can speak clearly, but uh, he's going to be in a non-Jewish institution. They're going to feed him treif. You can't bring in food from the outside. And the Chatam Sofa, remember, speak Och Nafesh, what can you do? He's a shaita, he's not obligated to mitzvah. But then he says at the end, he will not be matil halacha. It's a famous tshuva. On one hand, the logic says be matir, and on the other hand, he's going to eat chasa treif. According to the Kabbalah, it, it destroys your inner feelings, your inner ability to function as a Jew. Never let anyone eat treif. Better shehu yesho tekol yamav and shouldn't have tarfus in his body. So Lalachi, he's very hesitant to be make here. So this is one shiva. Here I want to pick up another shiva, the Chatam Seifer, and this shiva quotes the rush. I'll do the rush afterwards. And uh, the, these shiva are very, very interesting. Uh, this is from Sherat Shivat Chatam Seifer, Chelek Yeredeya, Tshuva Ayin Vav. The other Tshuva was in Orachayim. This one is in Yoridea. It's Tshuva Ayin Vav. Also interesting, it's a Tshuva to someone who's an Avbeitin in Turkey. Biturkiya. Uh, and uh, he says, your question reached me, a young girl, 18 years of age. And she has what they call in Hebrew Cholenich Peh. Cholenich Peh, Yassi, I believe in English it's epilepsy. And I looked up epilepsy, uh, disorder of the nervous system characterized by fits of convulsion that end with loss of consciousness. 
Now, this can be very serious because when you lose consciousness, you fall, you can hurt your head, you know, you can break a bone is one thing, but a brain concussion, sometimes it's death on the spot, you know, they come and try to revive and there's nothing they can do. So you're dealing here with quite a serious illness. Now, the story here is like out of a Hollywood movie. This girl, 18 years of age, and uh, he married the second wife. Now, it doesn't mean he married his second wife. It's Turkey. could be you're allowed there to have two, three, four wives. Remember, it's the Spartic uh, world. But he married his second wife, and he already has five children with the second wife. And this is his first wife, so she must have been 12 when she married him. But that was not abnormal then. Uh, I, I told you, I had students in BMT, we were at the beach in Elat. Remember this story? This goes back to 1970, 71. And uh, I'll never forget it. These kids were Flatbush kids, SYs they were called. And uh, they used to call the Ashkenazi kids J-dubs, if I recall. Am I right, Elliot? J-dubs. J-dubs and SYs. And I don't know, they said it either complimentary or detrimentally. I don't know. It's... Uh, and, and these were great, these were great kids, and they spoke Hebrew. They were Flatbush graduates, so uh, BMT had no money then. We didn't stay in a hotel. We camped tents on the beach at a lot. So the patrols were going back and forth. You're right opposite Jordan. It's today. There's somewhat a peaceful feeling, but not then. So I see they're talking with the soldiers. So one kid, Harari, comes back. I say, what were you talking about? He says, my cousin. I said, what? He says, yeah, my, gr my great-grandfather had four wives. My grandfather had three wives. He says, I have thousands of cousins, and this was one of them. And he said, I just met him by chance, but when we started talking, we put together the family. So uh, here you have, a, you have a, a lady who he married. She has epilepsy. Who takes care of her? The second wife and her five children. Now, but this causes tension. Many times you have a second wife and uh, she says, I want to have nothing to do with the first wife's family. Here, it's the first wife who's the patient. More than that, not only is she complaining, but how does he make a living? He's a malamed. He's a malamed. Now what does it mean a malamed then? People came to your house to study and paid you for teaching them. The fact that he's a malamed and, and his wife, first wife, is epileptic and she's in the house. They're afraid to come. They're worried the disease is contagious. Now, uh, yes, I, I don't know if it's your area of specialty. Is it contagious? No, I don't think so. But uh, let's put it this way. When people gossip, it expands. So people, you understand, why don't Lama Lila Tsarazu? Epileptic, she trains, dangerous. 
So, <laughs> this poor guy finds out that the doctors that treat her say that someplace in Turkey, far from here, they know how to treat epilepsy. And you have to let her go there. No one can visit her. All the food she has to eat is from the Turks. They will treat her and give her medicines. Some of these medicines are very dangerous, but when it works, it is successful. So you see, all the problems involved here send her away to be treated. There's one advantage to it being in Turkey. Pardon me for quoting uh, Rabbi uh, Suretskin, let me not say rabbi, if you know what I'm talking about. It's not Chazetreif. You know what I'm talking about, Shalom? Where are you living? They came out against the demonstration in Washington, and one of the rabbis from Lakewood used the word Chazetreif to go there. Poor guy named Don Rakefet lost health of what some of these rabbis said, and you won't believe it. I met someone Friday night. He gives me hell. Why don't you open your mouth? You just got back from America, a big wealthy businessman. You got to open your mouth. I said, Are you listening to my shirm or not? You almost jumped out of the sky, committed Harry Carey, because I came down so strong against. Some of these people showed they're not good Jews. The remember the Rambam. All right, I can't win. Open my mouth. You're almost upset. Don't open my mouth. This guy's upset. Let him remain nameless. He just lost a grandson in battle. Lower lane. Okay, come back here. So it won't be Chazid grave. But it won't be kosher. That's one. Two, pills. They say themselves, some of the pills are dangerous. It can kill her. What do you do? And you see, this gets involved in the whole question of doctors, we've discussed it over the generations. Can you trust a Gentile doctor? And I'll tell you better, today it's not just the Gentile doctor. You see what's going on with Cornblu and MIT. You with me, Kenny? She's Jewish. She's a Jew. Who, who sits there and basically agreed, gas the Jews, put them in the crematory, do whatever you want, it's freedom of speech. A Jew. And they say she's a nice person, I don't know, I read today in the Post that uh, she had a good relationship where she was before with the Chabad rabbi, I knew the Chabad they can get along with everyone, that's part of the secret of Chabad. Today you have Jewish doctors. Okay? I, I can tell you, I had problems in the rabbinate. Uh, let me, boy, a lot of memories come back. 
this lady was an early Stern College graduate. At Sadekit, she's not alive. And she had trouble uh, conceiving. And this big Jewish doctor writes me a letter that she has to go to mikveh at the end of six or seven days. No shebenikim. You follow me? How could you be mad? I called the Maisha. I spoke with the Maisha. I don't want to be machmir if I, if I could find a cooler, but we couldn't. Uh, today I would have a solution. Here in Israel, there is a solution. See, everything in Israel is a little bit easier. Pua. A-I-H. Shari Tzedek. You reading me? If, if the woman... You can conceive the woman out of by artificial insemination, husband. Okay, then I dealt with this 30, 40 years ago in this very she and the kolel. It's an interesting question. Does the woman have to go to mikveh before the AIH? Interesting question. Go back to the oraita mikveh. It's not a zava. You follow me? Some you know the sugya zava nida. You follow me? And neither is set. Go to mikvah. Zavans the count shivnikiyum. Today, all banot yisrael hachmiro lalatzman. We all treat it like a zavah with shivnikiyum. You follow? But uh, these are Jewish doctors. What does he know of halacha? And even if they know, they have the attitude halacha is guidance. It's not obligatory. See, it's a different mindset. Than, than, than a Torah Jew. You, you with me, Kenny? So, the, you, this is a very serious problem. Can you trust these doctors? And now, now, and all this is in the Chiva, by the way. I'm not, the Chatham Saifa deals with it. So what do we say in general? How come we go to Gentile doctors? How do we trust them? So we say, Uman la al nafshei. A, a person who has a reputation to uphold will not harm his reputation. So basically speaking, we go to Gentile doctors, we go to non-Jewish surgeons. It's professionalism. So the Chatan Seifer says here, could be that Chazaka does not apply because since these pills are dangerous, the doctor has nothing to lose if the person dies. He'll say, well, we warned them the pills can be dangerous. And since it's known that some of these pills are dangerous, the concept doesn't apply. The human, the expert, has nothing to fear. If it succeeds, it succeeds. If the person dies, all right. No one will blame him. Then he raises another problem. And this problem was real, may still be real, I don't know. Many, many of these institutions, you take the French hospital in Jerusalem, it's run by nuns. It has a sterling reputation. Why? They're very dedicated, very devoted, and they do not attempt to convert. See, this is the key. But how do you feel to come into a hospital? The Mormons, 
they baptized you, they sprinkled water on you a minute before you die or after you die, right? You know what I'm talking about? They convert you after you're dead already. And, and you see, there's the real problem of conversion. It's a real fear. And, and here, with this institution, that it has a reputation that they're out to convert you. Lahavir al-dat. And if that's the case, even if they can cure you, but this is like Aveda Zara and Chasva Khalila with Aveda Zara, we do not submit. You cannot cure yourself, according to Gemara Aveda Zara, an Ashera, a tree that's used and worshipped. You, and you have a cure, you take the leaves, you chop them up, you should cure yourself. No. So here the Chatam Sefer says, I, I cannot be Matya, and uh, better to die than to be exposed to conversion. And the other factors, Sakonet Nefashat, the pills, the non-kosher food that becomes part of your body, ultimately your psychic. And he uses the words, I trust you'll recognize them, Tov Sheyamutu Zakai Velo Yamutu Chayav. Get the exact quote. Mutav Shetamut Zakai Mark, you know what that's from the Gemara? Ben Sora Umore. Ben Sora Umore? What kind of concept is that? A kid robs the little money to buy meat and drink wine? What's so terrible? And he does it again. And he's been warned. So Chazal say, let him go on to become a thief, a robber, a killer, a highwayman, a listin, zuyan. Let him die, zakai, the al yamut chayav. That's what the Chatam Sofa quotes here. It's a very difficult concept. As you know, the Gemara says in Sanhedrin on a Bensoru Mora, Lo Hayav So why do we have the whole Pashu in the Torah? To teach us. It's educational. And it's teaching us. When you see a kid has bad traits, start working on him early. But work with Seichel. A, a, a good a good teacher. You can't throw away the kids that are bad. I've taught all types, you know. I've taught elementary, high school, college. All right, today I teach myself. But you see a kid, inspire him. Call his attention. Pride. Torah. I had a wonderful experience Friday night. 
all right, people know me and I have to pay the price. I can't just disappear and be a, uh, in, into my own tent. So I'm davening Friday night. I always daven uh, during the winter when there's no early minion anywhere. So I always daven at my children. My son and daughter run a shul for years, uh, decades already, on Rehov Palmach, Chazon Yecheskel. Chazon Yecheskel used to be in Neely in the building. You were in Neely? Neely, there was a minion on Shabbos, Chazon Yecheskel. Uh, this is Chazon Yecheskel. Today it's a block away and that building you were in doesn't exist. It originally, when we came in Aliyah, was a Bejakov dormitory. Are you aware of it? Then Bejakov moved out, they built the beautiful dorm in Geula. That building then became BMT. Then the building was bought when a guy named Rakefet got them this campus with miracles. Hashkacha Pratit, uh, that building was sold off. They knocked it down and built a tremendous building there, uh, all Anglos. It's worth, every apartment is probably worth $2 million today. It's unbelievable. So uh, that's Chazon Yecheskel. I davened there. It's a block away in a, in, a, in a beautiful building owned by the city. And now at the shul has partnered to actually have a contract because they rebuilt and they put money into the rebuilding. So I'm davening there and someone comes over to me and uh, it's a friend of uh, Jack Levenstein from Toronto. And he oh, Rebbe, how are you? And, and he tells me a beautiful story. There's a, he has a relative who's Haredi Haredi. And he puts out on a loan on Hashkachah Pratit. And uh, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it. What stories are in there? Some I, I, I read, some I laugh. Uh, can this be? All right, fine. He says, Rebbe, I called my relative and said, there's not one word of the war going on. So uh, his relative says to him, well, no one sends me stories about the war. So this man says to me, um, friend of Jack, do you have a story about the war that I can send my cousin? So I give him the following story. He started to cry like a baby. I had a so in cries, I cried too. It took me a few minutes to get back to be able to continue davening. Story is very simple. I read about it, heard it, then I heard them interviewed on the radio. It's a true story. When they came in on October 7th, so people who heard went into their safe rooms. They knocked down safe rooms, blew them up. This particular family, they were in their much older, 70s, uh, younger than me, but older. And they went in their safe room. Now, their safe room had the wrong door. When the door was delivered years ago, they brought in a very heavy door. It's not a door for a private house. It's a door for a public uh, synagogue, a public meeting room. So the people who installed it said, look, we're giving you a gift. This door cost another thousand shekel, but uh, it doesn't pay for us to take it out and bring back the, other, the real door you ordered. Keep it. They couldn't break the door down. And in their house, the Mechablin set up a whole uh, central point, and they tried to break the door. Try, finally, they gave up. At the end of a day and a half, in the safe room, there's a knock on the door, 
and uh, the people say, Chayalei Tzahal, Tiftach. And the man answers, Ani lo yachol yot patuach. It can be a machaber who speaks Hebrew. What's the big deal? So he says, Ani rotzel levadeh shatem meich tzahal. Ani atchil pasuk vetem tigmeru. And he, he and his wife shout, Shema Yisrael. And three chayolim shout back, Hashem alokeinu, Hashem echad. So you see, you take a kid who doesn't know why he's Jewish, he's rebelling. Tell him a story like that. Tell him who we are, what we came from, what we've gone through. Kid hears a story like that. It's not the same. I told you, Rabbi Gilbert Klapperman, again, I'm mentioning names that to me are real Rabbi Dr. Gilbert Klapman, Shalom, he built Lawrence. Bet Shalom, the first shul in Lawrence. You can't believe it today. Originally, some people wanted it to be a conservative temple. And he held the line. He's a Talmud of Ramesha Soloveitchik, the 30s. And he once told us, he said, they caught a gangster, a Jewish gangster guy dies in jail and uh, he has to do the funeral and he didn't know what to say people are there he had a mother yet he describes the scene and he gets up and he says look we know that this man was involved in certain activities that are not admirable but I want you to know, he told me, whenever he came into a house and saw Leichter, two Jewish candles, Shabbat, he never robbed the house. He walked out and closed the door behind him. So you see, a little story like that, you get a kid who's a wild kid. You tell him, spire. There's a lot to it. And this is the concept of Bensoru Mora. Be aware of what you're dealing with. Lo hayav alo nivra, batov she mutas hakayim velo yomutu hayafim. No, Vic, you know where else this comes out? You're not going to be happy now. Vic's going to get upset. But you heard my lectures. The Satmuruv. When anyone would say to the Satmuruv, take a look at the Jews that were killed. Kedoshim, Tzadikim, Rabbeim, Rashi Yeshiva. Why are they being killed? And then you take the masses. Who said they sinned? You're talking about Hundreds of thousands of Hasidim. You're talking about hundreds of thousands of Litvakim. Lotal mutam chait. And the Satmurav would answer, Tov sheimutu zakayim ve'alimutu chayavim. The same concept. What did he mean by that, Kenny? Very simple. 
a Jew next to me in shul had your outside Shabbos. I only know this person since 1943. When my mother switched me to Yeshiva Salanta, Monty Nussbaum opened the door for me. He was one year ahead of me. When he graduated, he was president of the student council. One year later, I graduated. I was president of the student council. We're friends until today. We're no youngsters today, but we're still good friends. So Monty told me his mother was one of six children. Nothing remains Jewish from the other five children. And his mother, who is Moiseret Nefesh, for Shabbos observance, she had a job in the garment industry and the owner was Shomer Shabbos. Nevertheless, he wouldn't let her leave early on Friday. The short Friday, she had to walk home from work. We're talking a few miles. And all her children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, Kulam Shomrei Torah Mitzvah. So I'm going to tell Monty when I thought it over, I said, I have the same story. My mother is one of six children. Out of the other five, absolutely nothing remains in this world. Not Jewish, not, not nothing. They, well, I have cousins who decided not to have children. How can you bring children into this terrible world? So, Monty, we have the same story. But now, go back a generation before our grandparents. I have the biggest yichis in the world. I'm a Calvariski. Shalom, you know who, what came out of Calvariski? The Rosh Hashiva of Hebron down the block is my cousin, the Baton. The founder of Yeshiva University, where you have benefited and I have benefited, you got to thank my cousin, Rabbi Dr. Dolph Revel. My nephew, Rosh Yeshiva down south, Nitzarim. Talmud Chacham Par Excellence, beloved Rebbe, teaching Torah so many decades already. He's a Catholic. But you see, we came from the greatest Yichas. Look a few generations later. Look what happened to us in the modern world. Tov That's the Satmarov's part. Do I agree, Mark? Absolutely not. I want to take these children and inspire them. And Vic, I'll tell you another story to make you a little happier. Um, Yomo, they, they bothered me from New York to interview me again for one of these Don uh, podcasts, broadcasts, whatever they're called. So Yomo arranged it, and a week ago, Friday, 10 days ago already, I uh, say, and you know, I don't have that much energy. 7 o'clock in the morning, Friday morning, 40 minutes, America interviewed. Chabad puts it on Chabad, uh, a COL, Chabad Online. And I say to Yomo and I say to my wife, I don't know, I give all my kaifet, this is about the fourth or fifth time I'm being interviewed by people I don't know. And uh, who listens, who cares? And Kenny, I'm willing to sign off, uh, no more interviews. My wife gets an email from her first cousin. You know, we're talking, this goes back, she has the same 
grandparents and great-grandparents that my wife had, Sadikim, Sadikim, and, and what remained. And this lady in writes to my wife, I was overjoyed to hear Aaron interview late in life. Chabad picked them up and she and her husband, husband reformed, they were in a temple and a shmemple and it was what came out of their children. Chabad picked them up and they've come back to a feeling of Yiddishkeit and Torah and, and she watches Chabad online, C-O-L. So you see, we have to inspire but nevertheless... This is the psak of the Chatam Sofa. This is the thinking of now the Chatam Sofa. It's not his total thinking, but in this particular tshuva, he certainly felt we can't take the risks. Better she should die a good Jew, an observant Jew, and Chalila, not go to an institution with Komarim, Levet Komarim, he calls it, and, and they will try to convert her and absolutely doesn't want it. Now, the last paragraph is very interesting and this too reflects on the Jewish community that we have a lot to be proud of, a lot to be proud of. You saw, you saw what happened here on October 7th. I hope it will continue. I hope we'll have politicians who are wise and can rise above the moment. And our own thinking, something that I've conveyed to you for the last 64 years, I always felt this way. I have very strong opinions. But at the end of the day, I never say I'm right. I say there are other opinions out there. I got an email from a Talmud in Toronto he told me off, I'm too right-wing for him. All right, I'm too right-wing. Someone's like, it means politically I'm too right-wing. <laughs> I consider it a compliment, but I know him. I know his thinking. And he's always in battle with the Haredim. And all right, I'm not exactly a Haredi, but I won't say I'm always in battle. The Hefech, I try to bring them closer to Torah. And I underline the words closer to Torah. And you saw here the outpouring of strength on a military sense, those who came called up, those that weren't called up and showed up, and the outpouring of you and I and every other Jew with the stuck and what we could do, what we could. I said, remember my first act was my daughter told me they're packing gifts for the soldiers. I immediately sent the transfer 500 shekel, I said, they use it to buy whatever you need. And if you need more, let me know. And we, we've done a lot since. Okay, Baruch Hashem. So you see the Chatam Sofa says, look, this guy has a second wife. Again, it's not Ashkenaz, so it could be he had two wives to begin with. I, I, I don't want to, uh, for an Ashkenaz, it means you married a second wife, but but this girl is all of 18 and the other wife has five children, it would seem to me he married two at once in good Svatic fashion. And uh, it's causing problems in the house. Shalom Bayat, the second wife is upset. 
She has five children. She has to worry about this woman who's to her a stranger. More than that, it interferes with his panasha. What will he do? People don't want to enter the house. The last paragraph, he says, her husband does not have to pay for her health, for her panasa. When he is old, the halacha is that she is not his charge. She's just like any other poor Jew. That if this is the case, every kihilag gedolah has a special institution, provides beds for poor people to sleep, and food takes care of them, and better she should do that. In other words, don't destroy this world and the next world for her. It's quite a statement. Let the community take charge, let the community worry. And the truth is that throughout our history, the Jewish community did take care of the poor and, and those that were not able to function. And that's what I told you last week. The Rav time and again would tell stories. He would say, you can't understand this course. In America, it's a different situation. He says, but in Europe, says there always was in every city one child who was born challenged. And he lived in the community. I remember, you don't see it in Israel. I saw it in Lebanon. No, and, uh, I'm, I'm telling secrets, but these are not secrets anymore. I was already in Lebanon with the army in, in, the, in late in 1979. I have pictures. I should have published some of them in uh, in uh, well, in uh, Washington, but I didn't don't want to start up with censorship. Uh, why was I in Lebanon? I took a whole group from RCA Rabbanim who were visiting. I brought them to Lebanon. The army we uh, we had our own plane, and uh, wow, it was for them some experience. What was involved was very simple. We were bringing money to the Christians in in Lebanon that's adjacent to the state of Israel. So beyond the Litani, South Lebanon, the part that we're going to have to take back by force, and uh, unless Amos Hachstein works out a settlement, uh, everything the UN promised is worthless, as you know. So uh, we were bringing money, and the army wanted influential American rabbis to know what we're doing, so when they get back to her, they don't have to reveal details but to speak about the good that Israel is doing. So they, I was among the, uh, they knew I'm a, an American rabbi by Makar, uh, from, how would I say that, from inception, from birth. So I remember General Navon called me the, uh, uh, God Navon, General Navon, the chief rabbi of the IDF, 
and he asked me, uh, can you get together five Americans who can have some influence? And he explained everything to me. I said, right then, Manny Holzer was visiting, Beryl Rosenzweig was visiting, I got a few others involved, we had a whole little group. So we come to South Lebanon, we're in Majalun, I think it was, it's just in the news, and we're visiting the church patriarch, and sitting with him, and talking, and giving him the money, and uh, a kid is running wild, and he explained to us this kid was born challenged, there's nothing they can do with him, so they just let him run wild, and that's exactly what uh, do I, I call it, brought back the memory what the Rav said, that that was wild. And uh, the Rav would talk about how they would try to find employment for him, like something simple, uh, hauling carts of vegetables, fruits, uh, putting up signs, how much this costs, what the owner would tell him. So here he says, let this person become a public trust and they will take care of her. And the Chuvens off Shalom Torato Moshe Hakatan Sofa Mi Frankfurt on Mine. Now that's also interesting. Whenever the Hatam Sofa signed the Tshuva, he signed it that he was born where? Where did he come from? Frankfurt on Mine. In other words, the place that you're born, the place that you raised, that influences you. He was proud to say he was from Frankfurt am Main. If I would write a tshuva, I'd have to sign it, Aaron Yitzchak, Meha Bronx. And uh, yes, there's a lot to talk about the Bronx, what was and no longer is. Now, fascinating, fascinating. There's so much, you see, in a tshuva, I, I, in Bernard River Graduate School, I had a professor You've heard the name, Professor Agus, Erwin uh, Agus. I think it was Avram Yitzchak Agus in Hebrew. Erwin Agus. And uh, read some of his scholarship. Uh, and he, he could be very sharp, very, very sharp. And uh, that's the story with the Peshul Shechli. You all know the story, I trust, that... Uh, Yesi, are you aware? I will ask you a question. Who is the only Rosh Hashiv in YU, in the history of YU, who ripped Kriya in a college class? Do you know the story? Oh my gosh. Elliot? All right, I'll tell the story. I don't want to waste time. You know, Mark knows. Baruch Hashem, you heard it from me. He's giving Shia now. Who's giving Shia? Tell the story. Where's he giving Shia, Hashi? Where, where, where? Torch Friday. Oh, and Torch Friday. Very nice. I oh, he's. Now, but this morning. He's 11, still. 11.45. 11.45. 11.45. Very nice. He's still here. Good. 
That's all I can say. He has energy. They drive him around. I, they once came to me maybe 10 years ago and said, we wanted everyone to we'll drive you all over. I said, I have energy just <coughs> Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. I got what to do. I don't waste time. But I, I just wrote a letter, Elliot, to the Dr. Belton's family bringing them up to date what I'm doing because I called it to be a sacred responsibility. Two chapters are finished. The third chapter is at Evelyn to be put into the computer program, the fourth chapter I'm working on. And Yoma will tell you I wrote, before I get drunk on Purim, the fourth chapter will be done by Israel Hashem. So uh, what happened was, Agis, uh, uh, he, he was very sharp. And he once said something terrible about the Rambam. Mishnah Torah with a certain attitude towards sex and Rep Heschel got up and ripped Kriya. We heard the same thing two years earlier. He repeated his shirim word by word. He had a notebook. It's not like every shir here is different since 1978. Word by word the same shir. So I walked out and I'm talking with Abba Braunspiegel and we both say, boy, he is terrible. How could you say something like that? Well, we didn't rip Korea. We didn't fight. You know what happened to Rabbi Heschel as a result? Threw him out of his class. Heschel finishes all his subjects. He's missing one course, Jewish history. First major. Can't graduate. You don't know what went on. They finally worked out a compromise he could take a class in Bernard Rebel Graduate School on Jewish history, not by Agus, but by someone else, and that class would count for the major, and he would be able to get his bachelor's. So, uh, all right, this is, this is a drop of history, and this is the Chatam Sofa, and this is the Jewish community, there is so much to learn out of a tshuva. So let me come back where I started. You know what Agus once said? And I was so young, I couldn't understand him. None understood. He said, we can create all of Torah history. All of Jewish history. So he looked at him. Professor, how? How? Responsive literature. It's a mirror of Jewish life. So we looked at him, we walked out, the mirror of Jewish, what's he talking about? Shalom. It's decades later, generations later, he was absolutely right. You take a tshuva like this at the Khatam Sofa, to Turkey, to the public institutions, to the communal responsibility, me kam Yisrael, gayachad ba'aretz. And now I'll let you in on another secret. Do you know the word hegdish? This It looks like a hegdish. No, do you know that word? By the way, it's used in modern Hebrew. Makarakans and irekrem hegdish. Have you ever heard that word? Can anyone give me the etymology of the word? It's very simple. Every community had a big shoe in which on the side 
there was a place for wayfarers. Your beds, benches, an oven, cook. So, right away it was called the Hegdish. Why is it called the Hegdish? It's part of a shul, Beit Neset, Beit Medrash. This was called the Hegdish. Many times, it's not like you stay in a hotel and a maid comes and clears up your room, clears up everything. You're, you're happy. It's clean. It's nice. A hegdish? 20 different people were staying there overnight. They went out in the morning. Some of them didn't give a damn what they left behind, what it looks like. A bed made, a bed unmade, food on the floor, a bottle here, a glass here, a jar here. Hegdish. It became a synonym for a big mess. Got it? That's the history of the word Hegdish. But it's to the credit of the Jewish community. The Hegdish. Zev, do you make Kiddush and Shul in... Where are you, where are you, Netanya? Yeah, no, we don't. Okay. In Young Israel of Hillcrest, did you make Kiddush Friday night? Elliot, Elliot did you make Kiddush in Yerushal Friday night? Yes. You know where it... No. You know where, how it began? For the people in the Hedish, they made Kiddush in Shul. So then they went in and had their suda. So you see, and this tshuva... There is so much life. Then you have to investigate. What does he mean by Komarim? What does he mean by they want to convert you? What do they mean by doctors? What do they mean by epilepsy? What he's describing? The whole world. Okay. Rabbeinu Washa. I don't have to tell you if you heard the, my lectures uh, on Monday. So uh, Reb Chaim Velashen got all upset when they said that the goal was almost as great as the Rishonim. And I will talk about it tomorrow too in a different context. But uh, he says, not like the Rush, not like the Rift, maybe like the Ramban. You follow? Anyway, you see the Rush already was in an atmosphere bigger than the Ramban according to Rabbi Not according to Rabbi We'll leave that for now. Share the Tshuva Rabbeinu Asher Chlal Abba'im Vishtayim and it's the first entry, Aleph. When he has Chlal Abba'im Vishtayim he can have many entries, Aleph, Beth, Himmel, Dalet. It's Abba'im Vishtayim, Chlal Abba'im Vishtayim the first entry. Aleph. There are actually two entries in this cloud. And uh, very fascinating. Ruvain married a woman and he's been married to her two years and uh, he sees that she's epileptic and he throws her out of his house. Doesn't want to be married to her. And she demands what's coming to her as a wife. 
money, clothes, sexual relations. Now, this little description, by the way, happens every day in the Bate Dinam in Israel. When, when you come before the judges for a divorce, you get so many times, it's not all the time, but many times the first thing they will try to do is bring about Shalom Bayat. And I don't, I don't have to tell you, I just, again, I just wrote a letter this morning, uh, Yomo will testify to a Talmud of mine from BMT, and I told him that uh, if I had the Sanhedrin here, I would insist they enact a takana that when you marry and have a child, from that moment on you can't get divorced until the youngest child turns 70 years of age. I've said this many times and I mean it. I've seen with divorce what it does to children. Terrible. And the younger the child is, the more the child suffers. And uh, this BMT fellow who's of places, hitting 70 today, is in a nasty battle. And the kids are suffering. And it's a battle that's gone on for years. But coming back here, see, Shalom it. can you work it out? And here's where the Dayanim today are much better than the Dayanim of 30, 40 years ago. What do I mean by that, Jesse? 30, 40 years ago, the Dayanim were more naive than they are today. They don't understand the new generation. 34 years, you're married, you put up, you find in Chazal that one of the Amorim had a wife, she had a, she had a bitter disposition. He never thought of divorcing her. When his Chaberim claimed, uh, you know, were criticizing her, he said, look, she takes care of me and the children, nothing to criticize. You're willing to put up with less than you're willing to put up today. Today we have different concepts of marriage. Some will say it's better, some will say it's worse. All right, uh, today it's not shy to have more than one wife. Of course, marriage takes on proportions of social, emotional, uh, psychological union. It's way beyond physical and materialistic union. So today it's not so simple to talk Shalom Bayat. And we have a cloud from the Gemara, Ein Adam Daz. You've seen this, you've studied it. Ein Adam Daz. You don't live with a snake under one roof. And the question is, how can you balance out that there'll be no snakes under the roof? And on the other hand, you both compromise to adjust. I have to tell you this problem today is so wide that if I take the weekend papers, the religious alumnim given out in shul, Kenny, every last one has a section on how to work out a happy marriage. I can't believe what I see. 
We were in B'nai Kiva. Who had to teach us how to wake up a happy marriage? Believe me, we wake. We worked at wonderful marriages. But it was doing, as Rabbi Lewis, who was my revered neighbor, and he was the marriage counselor for Ger. Whenever Ger, he published a book on marriage. Whenever, again, his brother-in-law, Rabbi Dresen, my revered neighbor, published Marriage Made in Heaven. I, you don't even know these books today. And whenever there was a problem there, they sent them to Rabbi Lewis. Rabbi Lewis, you have to do what comes naturally. Today it doesn't come naturally. You need so much advice. Wow. <laughs> we were speaking before class about Besheva. Have a whole page. Page, two pages, every issue. So you see, the judges have to deal with this question. And as my daughter explains to me, the Dayanim today are much more open to understanding that not always can you work out Shalom Bayat. Sometimes it's just a waste of energy to try to work out Shalom Bayat. But here, here the man, get out of my house. She's epileptic. And she's demanding Shalom Bayat. Now, his trivia, and this trivia is quoted by the Khatam Saifa. He says that epilepsy in the house can be a sakana. I don't know, medically, can it be a sakana to others? Can she act uh, in, in a fashion that's not rational, in a rational fashion? I don't know. Did you ever study it? Uh, no. It's not medical. I, have to, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I know people who have had epileptic attacks, but they're total normal people who just, on occasion, I don't know what's done for them uh, to help them if they're pills today. But he talks in terms of a sakana. Then he goes into the other klal, and this is something that today is very big and widely discussed, and even a guy named Rakefet, discusses it in depth. Tell me, Mum, you marry a girl, and all right, I hope, uh, you know, it's a problem today when men and women, uh, lower lane when you're not religious, and even lower lane when part of our religious world, uh, pre-sex, marital, nothing, taken for zeal, krebe, raffle. They live together. To, I've been in weddings in Israel, and they live together till they decide to have children. Then they get married. And I know cases for good, for bad, lower lane so tell me, you're a bentori, you marry a girl, and suddenly you see on a part of her body that was always covered, there's a big wart. <laughs> what is this called in Talmudic literature? Simphon. You've heard the word, Samach Yud Mem Vav Nun. Yerushalmi has it. Simphon. Mum. No? If it's a mum that you didn't know about, what's the rule? Mekach ta'ut, the whole marriage was in vain. It's not like a woman who has five, six fingers. Six fingers, you idiot. If you didn't see that before you married her, it's your problem. But if it's something that you couldn't have seen, then, right, 
Mum, this is Mekach uh, Ta'ut. Oh, you have had halachic problems with the student. Lower Lenu, imagine a man is impotent. Impotent. In other words, he can have sexual relations, but his sperms cannot father a child. Or he can have impotency altogether. I've, I've had t- t- both of them. Both of these cases came my way. No? The girl can claim Mekartat. What kind of marriage is this? She didn't know. No, Reb Moshe, one of the cases where Reb Moshe says, Pak, it's Mekartat. So here the rush says, when we're dealing here with the rush, that it may very well be that this is Mekartat. He didn't know about it before the marriage. Ein lachem mum yoter gadol mise. So there are two factors here. One factor, and this we need expert medical advice. It may be a sakana. How do you have a person who can faint and fall? Maybe act irrational. In addition. Who says you're married? You didn't know about the mum. And if this is the case, they're not married. He has every right to throw her out. She can't claim. There's no shalom bayat here. And here's the big psak. He paskins that even though Rabbeinu Geshem made a cherem, and among the charedim of Rabbeinu Geshem, you cannot give a get bal kocha. In this case, you can give a get, the yitin lo get, ba'al kocha. Give a get. Get her out. The man is right. Simphon, quoting the rush. But here, he makes a compromise. And as all of you know from the Gemara Sanhedrin, compromise is the heart, Shara is the heart of Din Torah. Alpi pure din. He throws her out. He's obligated not to give her a penny. He didn't know. She should have told. But you see, it was his wife. Who can be certain the epilepsy was there before they get married? Give her her full ketubah. He's obligated. And he paskins the halacha, this is the rush. Even though Shemachayata nikhpit kodem kedushin, vahayam mekhom mekach taut, umin hadin lo hayal lanu lahotsi mamen misafek. 
But nevertheless, this poor woman, give her haktuva, kashe tasig yado, sheyitengla haktuvatau. Don't let her have to go begging. And you see here that the rush on that level is more generous than the conclusion of the Chatam Sofa. Follow? Chatam Sofa said, all right, the husband has to protect himself, his second wife, the five children. Send her away. Let the Jewish community worry about her. The rest says, no, give it a ketuvah. Let her go away in dignity. These are not easy questions. And you see there's involved in halacha. You have the questions like Shabbats, like Kashrut, Basavacholov, Tarovet, Neirav. All these questions don't involve the human emotion as much as Evanessa questions and Cheshen Mishpat. And I never forgot the story I heard from the Rav, and you've heard this, it's been repeated many times in the name of many, many G'daylem. So uh, it's, it's a generic story, but I heard it from the Rav. I heard it that it was by the Beit HaLevi. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the way I heard it, that the Beit HaLevi, the Rav's great-grandfather, once they brought to him a Shiloh with a cow, Trefot. And he was Matrif the cow. Might have been with the lungs, a problem. And the butcher who brought it lost the place. A hundred dollars on the spot, what the cow cost him. He said, thank you, Rebbe, and walked away. A few weeks later, there was a homachlekes between two different people over money, a business deal, and the Beta Levi Paskin, this one is right, this one is wrong, you owe him a hundred dollars. The guy who he postened again spat at the rough, cursed the rough, maledicted the rough. Oh, what went on? Till the Gaboyim dragged them out of the Beitin. So a bystander said, Rabbi, I don't understand it. A few weeks ago, you postened the cow was trave, and the butcher lost $100 on the spot. And he thanked you for the psak din. And he walked away. Lost money, but not angry. And here, two people have a machlaikis, and the guy loses $100, and he goes crazy and vilifies you and, and acts in such an indecorous fashion. And the Baitalevi answered, you have to understand human nature. The Butcher asked the Shailan, Halacha, Treif, Kosher. 
I couldn't help it. I thought, I felt the animal is trafe. He accepted the psalm. He's a good Jew. Doesn't want to eat trafe. But when two people have a fight over a hundred dollars, it's not just that he lost a hundred dollars. It's that I declared him wrong and the other litigant correct. And that he's not going to forgive. And you see, when you get involved with human nature, it's a lot deeper. Or Rechayim and Evan and Yoridea, a lot easier to deal with than Evan and Chayshin Mishpat. And I need not tell you, again, I come back to my own experiences, what men do today, hold up women, won't give a get. I'm in debt to a balabash from Baltimore who helped me in a very difficult Daguna situation where the guy wouldn't give a get unless he got a hundred grand. And these people did not. Well, my friend got them down with the Afbeit and the whole story, but they felt they owed me, they owed me something. The coverty, whatever. They got him down. I think it finally went for 25000 But imagine a person has to pay twenty-five grand to give a get when everyone agreed the marriage was not viable. See, it's, a, it's a, a different ballpark altogether. The, and what, what, Rav, what Rav Menashe Klein wrote about, he's absolutely what parents fight over visitation rights with children. The money invested, I can tell you, I, uh, a couple separated, my own also, BMT, Talmud. Every time one wanted to take the kids away for a Hanukkah vacation, etc., they went to court, lawyers, money, what went on? Oh boy, they, it's not simple like a halacha. Halacha, all right. Use an automatic ladle of Shabbos. Don't use it. Use it going up. Don't use it going down. Use it if you're in a wheelchair or a walker or a cane or something. Follow the difference. All right. You can walk away. Kashret. Oh, you just put out a booklet on Kashret in Israel. So they're explaining why there are two levels of Kashret. I can't believe what I'm reading, but okay that 70% of the population, 80% keeps kosher. But not that they really, not some of them will eat trafe out of their house. And that's kosher. So for these people, we don't have to worry about Chol of Yisrael and Bishulakum, I don't know. But we have a higher level, Mahadrin. I don't know. I would be happy to see one level of kashrut and uh, n- not various gradations, but okay, maybe it's inevitable. But all right, it's kashret, you eat glad, I don't eat glad. My days, we never heard of glad. Gadish eat glad, we never knew about the spot, and they already have their own chumras, Beis Yosef. But nowadays, Israel is a chiddish, this is maybe the only country in the world where you still get regular kosher, not only glad, they can't afford to pass away the meat so quickly to the Arabs to sell. 
So there's more regular meat and also glut. I don't know. My days, I remember the rub. Someone used the word glut kosher. The rub yelled, glut treif, the rub. He was furious. So I said, Rebbe, what's Megma? What do you mean? And he explained himself. He was very angry because it turned out in his slaughterhouse in Boston, they had a higher percentage of treif animals than some glut slaughterhouse. And he said, this is impossible. If we have so many treif, they have to have just as much or more. And he was furious, furious. All right, that's an era gone by. But that era exists in the return to Zion. You follow me, Kenny? This book, I'm in heaven. It's not the rub of the 60s, the 70s. It's the rub of the 40s, the 50s. Got it? Oh, boy, did I enjoy this. Oh. And he goes crazy with Akurich Israel. He doesn't mince words. Wow. Okay. First of all, I want to thank everyone for joining me today. You make my life. I have to thank you. You get to be my age. You'll understand what I'm saying. Oh, my God, this one died and that one died and this one is sick and that one is sick. And Vic, you have the name. I want to ask everyone to daven. Uh, in a minute, we'll do that. And uh, here I come to Sheer, and I'm the youngest kid here. I'm all of 26 in this room. Mark, I wish you'd figure out how I don't go back to being 86 by Mincha time. If you could figure that out for me, it'll be very welcomed. Uh, I have to tell you that uh, that volume of the Rav Yesterday, I don't want you to put me on the couch, but when I read, it's unedited, you follow, they publish, they apologize in the introduction, that is very sharp, but that's the rub I knew, that's my Rebbe, you follow me, I can't believe it, and then when you study to return to Zion, ah, oh, I no wonder he thinks the way he does. Gentlemen, next week, you won't believe what we're going to deal with next week. And uh, Klein, the same chiva. Uh, uh, why you? Uh, you won't believe it. And then we will reach the end of the chiva. I don't know if next week we still have what to do. But you'll see that RCA totally dismissed Rabbi Mark Dratch. I have correspondence from him 10 years ago where he explains why RCA, he has a whole compendium of tshuva to Rabbanasha Klein that we totally disagree with. This is one of the tshuva. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll end off with that. And then we go further. There's a world, a world, a world more. So what did we do today? The Chatam Seifa and the Rush. And we dealt with the greatest Achron and one of the greatest Rishonim. So we're in good company. Are there any questions from the erudite audience in front of me? Uh, you, you, I'll mention a, a student that came every Sunday and Monday to Shia. And I had a special attachment to him because when I came to Maplewood in 62, I immediately became part of the Essex County Rabbinate and his father and uncle were my good friends in the rabbinate 
and they were Shanghai survivors. And their son, Rabbi Dov Zakheim, was here in this room for many, many years. He's today undergoing a kidney transplant. He's been ill for a number of years with dialysis and all that goes with it. Uh, give, give me the name that everyone should be with Palel. Dov Shlomo. Ben Chanita. Ben Chanita. Let me write it down. Dov Shlomo. Ben Chanita. Okay, open it to the world. And. Uh, Recording stopped. Okay, uh, is they're unmuted. You're unmuting them. Okay. Yes. Okay, uh, everyone around the world, first of all, also Bimit Palel for Dov Shlomo Ben Chaneita. He's undergoing a kidney transplant today. Uh, are there any questions from around the world? Anyone looking at me on the screen? I see the screen has thinned out. Uh, yes, Yomo. I think Rebbe mentioned uh, if, uh, the question if uh, the woman needs to go to the mikvah before... Right, getting a donation. Wouldn't the, uh, the procedure itself cause her to be Anita? Well, first of all, what are you talking about? The procedure itself is what? only afterwards, but why right. does it cause to be Anita? Because they, they need to open the uterus in order to deposit the... No, but the uterus is open. She's not a virgin. No, the, the, the uterus itself, the, the psicha, they have to do psichas a cavern in order to... Uh, so, so the, I don't know. I can't answer you, but if it's true, so what? It's after she goes to mikvah. So that, makes, that itself makes her tamaya, uh, uh, no? What do you mean tamaya? After she goes to mikvah, so she'll go again the second time. What's the problem? The problem is to impregnate her. But I didn't hear that she has to go a second time. What I, the whole shayla, as I recall... What, my question is, what's the point of may, for her going to the mikvah when at the time of the procedure before, as soon as they open the uterus in order to put it in the zera, she becomes an eater again? So at the moment they're ready to begin, she's with two shivatara. But al it doesn't make any sense to go to the mikvah before. But those that claim should, it's only kabbalistic reason. That the child shouldn't be... It's kabbalistic reasoning that... The, it shouldn't be a Benida and that she went to mikvah, but the, the halakhically speaking, a Benida would be if the husband impregnated her then. But this is not a neither. There's no sexual relations. It's a. It's a. Uh, in, in I'll tell you what they developed. I, I speak about this. I saw in Shari Tzedek. You see, the big problem with many women is that their uterus is not. It, it's curved. It's not the normative type of uterus. So the man cannot reach her and impregnate her. So they develop the sharet sedic like syringes of various shapes. So depending on the woman, they can apply the, the semen that they have to a different type of situation where it curves this way, curves that way, curves up, curves down and they can reach the egg. And you have no idea how many problems that solves, enabling women to become fertile and not infertile. And it's a terrific development. Other problems are simply that her egg, the O, is not ready to be, that this is when it's ready to be, it, for the sperms to 
what would be the word that I'm looking for, there's a technical word, but to create the child, to impregnate her. And the problem is then she can't go to mikvah. So AIH would be a tremendous solution, and particularly it would take away uh, the shivanikim of Zava, but it leaves you with the, the Oraita, she's not a Nida. So she should go to mikvah. But the mikvah here doesn't really make sense, but Kabbalistically you can develop a case for it. That's a machlekes ha-paiskim. Halach I don't know what they rule in Pua, but I'm sure they'll give advice to each family in accordance with their own understanding, heritage, and background. Okay, I want to thank everyone. Uh, Danny, it's good to see Dan. David Vogel again. I saw him in shoes, so Baruch Hashem, he's staring right at me. And until we meet again in health and happiness, tomorrow morning at 9, Dasvidanya. Uh, Bruchen, Bruchen to you, Bruchen to you.